This morning, I want to talk to you about thanksgiving. We do not have to stand here today and discuss the faithfulness of God. We have just sung about it, and we're all aware that God is a faithful God. He is eternal, everlasting. His mercies endure to all generations. The problem we face is our lives, our faithfulness. And on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, I want to talk about thanks living. Time and time again, the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Time and again, he talked about praise, about singing. He talked about everything that has, has breath giving expression to God. It's on every page of the Psalms, 150 chapters of it. We must express by life, by word, thankfulness to God. And therefore, we will be expressing thankfulness to one another. As far as I can determine, all are to do this. Big men, small men, old men, young men, all sizes, shapes, colors, everybody. There is no exception in the Word of God at all. And I want to use from the life of Jesus today an outline for this message on thanksgiving. He is our example, and so we turn to him for that example today. And as I study the Gospels, I find four ways in which the Lord was a thanks-liver, how he gave expression to God the Father and to the world of his thankfulness. The first one has to do with food. In Matthew 15, verse 36, he fed 4,000 men, plus women and children, with seven loaves. And in John 6, verse 11, he fed 5,000 men, plus women and children, with five loaves and two fishes. So in both Matthew and John, in these remarkable accounts of feeding the multitude, we read the same thing. Jesus offered thanks for what was to be served to the multitude. Now this may sound very elementary to all of you today, but let's consider for a moment how we live today. I eat a great deal out in public places because of my schedule, and I observe each time how ungrateful American people are. Someone has observed that even pigs grunt before they eat. But very few Americans offer thanks for that which they partake of, bounty from God's hand. I always offer thanks wherever I am whatever the circumstance may be, for the provisions of God. 
and I think it's right. Jesus set the example. If we are to express thanks living, it must begin with this very obvious area, the food that God gives to us. I have minister friends who will not ask me to offer thanks in a public place because they say I pray too loud. Well, that's their problem, not mine. So if one of them wants to, that's fine, just as long as there is an expression of gratitude to God. And certainly in all of our homes, over any meal, there needs to be that expression of gratitude to the Lord that He has provided us the minds to think with, the hands to work with, that that which is before us could be provided for the sustenance of our lives. It is all because of Him. Now, we are living in a day, and I heard it just this morning, on the way to church, on the radio, that there is not enough food in the world to take care of all that are going to be born. I do not question that. From what I read and what I hear, I would suppose that is true. And if it be true, then, my friends, we are all going to have to experience in a greater way in the days ahead, what we learn in the Word of God about thankfulness. Let me use as an example one of our missionaries, his name Kenneth Ware, missionary to France. Kenneth Ware took a French Jewess for a bride during the Second World War. With their infant son, they had to take to the woods in 1943 because the Nazis were putting into jail and prison preachers of the gospel. Collaborators were working with the Nazis for a price. Kenneth Ware was captured and taken to the fortress-like prison of Belgard. I have his testimony here before me, so what I'm telling you is not fantasy, it is validated fact. Kenneth Ware, in that prison in Belgard, was mistreated particularly by one bullish German guard. That guard seemed to find pleasure in beating Kenneth Ware. On one particular day, he hit him so hard that he found himself lying on the cold floor and when he came to some kind of consciousness, that German guard had a hold of his lapels, lifting him to his feet. And as he did, he felt something inside of his coat. For sewed into Kenneth Ware's coat was his New Testament. He had smuggled it in and had managed to keep it all of this time, and it was a source of sustenance and strength for him. As the German guard's hand hit that New Testament, he ripped it open and touched the Word of God and looked at it with eyes of dismay and said to Kenneth Ware, Are you a pastor? He said, Yes, I am. He looked shocked and put the New Testament back. He said, In the morning you are to be shot. And that's exactly what Kenneth Ware expected but something unusual transpired in that moment. He led him out into a corridor, and instead of the corridor 
leading him to where he knew the executions took place. The guard led him down a dark corridor, a different direction, and to a doorway. And Kenneth realized in that moment that the guard was going to thrust him out into freedom. So Kenneth spoke to him and said, now you are being the fool. When they find that I am not here, you will be shot. But it did not matter. He opened the door and he thrust our missionary out into the night. And he found his way to freedom and eventually to Switzerland where he joined his bride. In Lausanne, Switzerland, Kenneth Ware and his wife set up a little apartment with their infant son. One day his wife came to him and said, Kenneth, could I have some money? We are out of food and need groceries. Kenneth Ware said, I have no money. And he had not a cent to his name. The next thing he knew, he heard his wife praying from another room. And this is what she prayed. And I want to read it exactly as he heard her pray it. I heard her speaking to her Lord in utter simplicity. She said, Jesus, I need five pounds of potatoes, two pounds of pastry flour, apples, pears, a cauliflower, carrots, veal cutlets for Saturday, and beef for Sunday. He said when she had listed her requests, she concluded by saying, thank you. Jesus. That prayer was offered before breakfast at 11.30 the same morning in Lausanne, Switzerland. There was a knock at their apartment door. Mrs. Ware opened the door. Standing at the door was a man with a basket of provisions. He had delivery type clothing on, blue in color. She said as she looked at him, his eyes were a beautiful blue, his height just over six feet, his hair blonde but almost white, and she knew she was encountering a very different personality than she had ever seen before. He said to her, Mrs. Ware, I have brought what you have requested. She said, oh, there must be some mistake. I have not ordered anything. The visitor said, oh, yes, you have, and I have brought exactly what you have ordered. By this time, Kenneth arrived on the scene and observing what was taking place said to the delivery man, sir, there are 25 apartments in this complex. Surely you have knocked at the wrong door. No, he said, I have come according to Mrs. Ware's request. They invited him in and onto the table he took from the basket the very exact items that she had prayed for before breakfast that morning. Five pounds of potatoes, two pounds of flour, and so on, exactly as she had prayed. Kenneth Ware said, I was going to say something to him in terms of 
thank you or something when as I looked at him, I fell silent. I could not speak as I looked into his eyes. And in a moment, he excused himself and Mrs. Ware closed the door behind this strange delivery man and Kenneth went to the window by which he must pass to leave the complex to get one last look at this visitor and he waited and he waited and he waited. It was the only passageway but there was never anyone that passed the window that morning. The delivery man was gone. Now Jesus Christ has appeared incarnate many times in history, and I believe he will appear again and again and again as long as he is needed. It may not be in delivery clothes. It may be in a mailman's outfit. It may be in a robe of some kind, but this I can tell you today, Jesus Christ appears to those who believe and who live their thanks because Mrs. Ware concluded her prayer by saying, Thank you, Jesus. That means I know it is going to happen. And it happened. And my friend, welfare cannot duplicate the provisions of the Almighty. In fact, welfare could be a deterrent to that which I have just shared with you. I believe Christians can believe the Lord's Prayer. Give me this day my daily bread. And that's to whom we should go for our help. And in these days, it may be that we will have to do it more and more and more. But listen, the storehouse is available. And Jesus Christ taught us in the Gospels that whatever God Almighty provided as we pray over it, it will be multiplied multiplied to minister to the multitudes that need to be fed. Hallelujah. Thanks living says, I will thank God for the food that I have before me. And if I have none before me, I will thank him for providing it for me, for he has promised to do so in his word. Hallelujah. The second thing, I discover as I look at the life of Jesus, relating it to the 33rd Psalm, is he thanked the Father for the revelation of spiritual truth. In Matthew 11:25, Jesus said before his disciples and before the people of his day, I thank you for hiding the truth from those who think themselves so wise and for revealing it to little children. It's wonderful for us to thank God for the food today and the tangible things that we have. But how often do you pause to thank God for the truth of his word, the Bible? Jesus thanked the Father for the truth. Jesus said it is the truth that sets men free. 
I have traveled in many countries of this world, and I want to tell you today that wherever I have gone, I have found this principle so evident. Wherever the truth of God is received, there is elevation of life. Where it is not, there is degradation. I have been in countries where the sacrifice of human flesh is common. Why? Because they have not the truth. They have rejected the truth. And because of that rejection, it is a dog-eat-dog -dog kind of an existence. Parents who feel they have to throw their children to crocodiles or dash their life from their body by throwing them from the highest tree in the village to appease their gods. My dear friends, as we sit so snug here at Capital Christian Center today, do you thank God for the truth because we could be where they are? We are here today blessed beyond ability to describe for one reason and one reason alone, and that is the truth has reached us. The truth has come to these shores. This was to be a nation not under man, but under God, not under humanism, but under the almighty God that this psalm speaks about today. For one, I'm grateful that I was born an American. I'm grateful that I have been privileged to be educated in this land, to be able to live in this land, to preach the gospel in this land. I feel blessed for the truth that has come to my life. Think of the difference where there is no truth. What enlightenment God has given to us. Our nation was shaped by the truth. Let us not let it slip from our fingers. Let us not let it go. Let us fight for the truth. If necessary, die for the truth. It is the truth that makes men free. How do we express thanks living for the truth? By being here when the doors are opened? By carrying our Bible under our arms unashamedly and when the scripture is read, open it and read? when the word is preached, to open the word and follow the preacher and be thankful for the truth because we could be in darkness. We could be in heathenism. But thank God we have the truth. And because of the truth, our level of life is elevated. We are blessed. We live in cleanliness. We live where we do not have to fear what we eat and what we drink because of God's almighty blessing. And it is the truth of God that has made it possible. Hallelujah for the truth. And of course, what about salvation? Do we thank God daily for the salvation that he has brought through Jesus Christ? That we don't have to burn incense to God's we do not have to come and lay our food before a God of stone or wood, an idol. We can come into his sanctuary. And what God wants is the raising up of our hands and the opening of our mouths and praise that is due unto his holy name. And that is an offering of sweet smell unto the Lord. What a privilege, hallelujah, to have the truth. Jesus thanked the Father for the truth. The third thing that I see expressed in the life of Jesus is in Matthew 26, 27. It was in an upper room. 
Jesus took the cup of suffering, tipped it to his lips, saying, give, give it to them. Drink all of it. The cup of suffering he was going to have to taste in Gethsemane in just a few hours. In that spot, he said, Father, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When he picked that cup up before his disciples, he gave thanks. Those are the words that catch my attention. He gave thanks as he drank that cup of suffering and bitterness. Oh, how much we can complain. How we argue with God over the circumstances of our lives, but Jesus, for the bitter trials of his life, thanked the Father. He gave thanks, and then he drank. Job blessed God when he lost everything in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Remarkable chapter when his sons and his daughters had been slain and all of his animals were gone. Job blessed God. Jonah, down in the belly of a fish in the deep, trying to find his way through the seaweed, offered thanksgiving. Jonah 2, 1 through 10. There was a sacrifice of thanksgiving coming from inside of that great fish. Paul thanked God in a prison cell. Colossians 1 verses 3 and 12. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. George Matheson the blind preacher said, My God I thank thee for my thorn. Hallelujah. Jesus set the example of thanks living. We would like everything just neat and orderly. But sometimes there comes a circumstance, a situation that tests us. And in that moment, thanks living must come forth where we can say, Thank God this is my lot and I will endure. God will help me. I was reading this week of Carl Erskine, the former pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Carl is a Christian and he speaks often for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Carl was speaking recently to a group of men and his son Jimmy had come to the meeting with him and in the middle of his speech Jimmy was making noises and disturbance, jumping up and down on the seat and Carl stopped in the middle of his talk and he said, Folks, I'd like you to meet my son, Jimmy. Carl was not rude or abrupt or bitter. You see, Jimmy is a mongoloid. Jimmy has very little control of what he does. But the great pitcher brought him to his meeting, and when he was disturbing, he proudly said, Folks, I'd like you to meet my son, Jimmy. That's thanks living. That is accepting the circumstances of life like Jesus did. And when he picked that cup up, he gave thanks to the Father and said, I will drink it. I will drink it. 
There are some in this, this meeting today who will have to drink a bitter cup. And you may question why it's so bitter. Why me, Lord? But remember Jesus, who expressed thanks and who had the comfort of the Holy Spirit and who made it through to resurrection morning and was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And so will you be as you live out your thanks before the world. The last thing I see in Jesus' life is in John 11:41, where he thanked the Father for the assurance of answered prayer. It was at Lazarus' tomb. And Jesus said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Now, Lazarus had been in that tomb for four days, and the Bible said he didn't smell very good. He stinketh. And before Jesus spoke the word of resurrection, it's important that we hear this. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. How simple prayer is, and yet how beautiful. Communicating with God. When telegraph wires were being put up, people would come by the hundreds to look at the wires hanging from the poles. They were just amazed to think that messages could be transmitted by these wires. And really, it's, it is an amazing thing. Have you ever looked at those wires and think how messages can go through those wires? One day, standing with the crowd, there was a businessman standing by a, a Christian boy who wasn't all that smart. And the man said, what a wonderful thing. When these wires are completed, you will be able to send a message 200 miles away and get an answer back in 20 minutes. Isn't that wonderful, he said to the little boy. And the little fellow said, I know something far more wonderful. Oh, he said, really, what is that? Well, he said, did you ever hear of people getting an answer before they sent their message? He said, well, what do you mean? Well, he said, I mean what the Bible says, Isaiah 65, verse 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Hallelujah. What a smart boy. Well, you say, if that's the way it is with God, that if he answers before we speak, then why speak? Because prayer is an expression of faith. Yes, we know God is aware of our needs. Yes, we know God is capable of meeting any need of our life, but He wants us to believe. And when we express in prayer what we know, that's faith, and it releases God to do what we know He can do. That's why God asks us to pray. So thanks living is going through every day, not complaining, not bitter, not resentful, not arguing with God over the circumstances you face, but thanking the Father that He hears you pray and that He will not allow anything to come upon you that is greater than your ability to bear. Jesus set us that example. How fantastic! is this thing of thanks living. Now, let's bring it down home for just a moment, if we may. How do we translate that in our daily life as an example of what Jesus has taught us? The psalmist says here in verse 1, Rejoice 
He says in verse 2, praise. He says in verse 3, sing. And he says in verse 5, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. I believe that. Americans have been blessed beyond any nation in the world, but we are the most ungrateful lot on the face of the earth. We get in trouble overseas, we Americans, because people think we're so brash. People think we're so unconcerned. People feel we want our way when we want it. At that right moment, we insist and demand. And many people in other nations of the world have been turned off by us because of our ingratitude, our pushiness. I want us to be healed of that because I believe a lot of people are sick today because of ingratitude and a lack of thanks living. In fact, I came across this little article this week from Charles Mayo. Dr. Mayo, he said in this little article which I clipped from a paper, the things I worry about don't happen. He said, for the 219 diseases and 642 complications known to medicine, he never knew a man to die from overwork, but thousands who died from worry and anxiety. What are we here today? Oh, I have to work so long. I have to work so hard. I wish I could cut back. I wish I could retire. Ingratitude, ingratitude. Dr. Mayo says he's never known a man to die of overwork, but thousands from anxiety and worry. And may I add, from ingratitude, it makes you ill and eats away at the vitals of your life. Have you ever seen these appreciograms? It's what it says right there, appreciograms. I got one this week. And this has been a hectic week for me. I guess since Monday evening, I have not had 10 minutes to sit at home. I have come into the garage, walked through the hallway and into the bedroom and collapsed. That's about the time I've had at home this week. I'm not complaining, it's been an exciting week, but. I have seen my wife as she's passed by the doorway of my office as we just exchange a wave and let each other know we're still alive. Well, in the middle of my week, busy as it was, came an appreciogram. Dear Pastor Cole, anyone who is as busy as you and who takes time to send personal birthday and anniversary greetings to so many each year deserves appreciation, expressed appreciation tiny little act, but I could never tell you, in the midst of a week full of ministry and activity, what that little appreciogram meant. Just a few lines signed by a family in our church who just wanted to say, thank you. And this morning in the first service, an usher came to me with this little poem that says, thank God for you. And it says, Pastor Cole on the bottom. And she instructed an usher to get it to me. It was for me. Thank God for you, good friend of mine. Seldom is friendship such as thine. How very much I wish to be as helpful as you've been to me. Thank God for you. Verse after verse. 
so often at the throne of grace there comes a picture of your face. And then instinctively I pray that God may guide you all the way. Thank God for you. The beginning of a busy full day of ministry and a little piece of paper like that clipped out of a magazine somewhere. That's thanks living. After the early service over here to my right, a bearded young man grabbed me and hugged me and said, I don't suppose you know who I am, but you know my parents, Dan and Betty Mazur, missionaries. Oh, I said, yes. He said, I'm their son, Larry. And he said, this past week I got back to God. I've been saved. I've given my life to God, Pastor, and I want you to know I'm thankful today for this church and the message of the gospel that you preached. It's reached me, and I'm back in the family of God. We wept and we cried together. And oh, how thrilled those parents will be when that word reaches them on the mission field that Larry is home. Ernest S. Williams, for 20 years, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, passed away on October the 25th at the age of 96 years. After he had served as the superintendent for 20 years, he taught at the school I attended in Springfield Central Bible College. He was my theology instructor. I learned my theology from Ernest S. Williams. And he was a great man. I have in my files a cherished final exam. The last class I had in Bible school, Theology 4. Brother Williams gave me an A on that test, and he wrote a personal note on it, wishing me well as I went out into ministry and blessing me in the name of the Lord. Beautiful person. I was back in Springfield in September to speak at my alma mater. I was talking to the president's wife, Mrs. Lednicki, and she said, Glenn, I go over to Maranatha Manor and volunteer my services, and I'll tell you the most delightful person over there is Ernest Williams. He's 96, but he's sharp, his mind is clear. He's still teaching the Word of God, and I said to Mrs. Lednicki, oh, I've got to go over and see him. I've got to tell him my gratitude for what his life has meant to me and the solid foundation of his instruction. But you know, I got busy. I was teaching classes and preaching and interviewing and counseling students, and I never got there. I did not get over next door. I could have, but I did not. In the midst of that week, I failed to get over to Maranatha Manor and sit down with dear Brother Williams and say, Brother Williams, thank you, thank you. One month to the day later, God gives him a promotion and takes him to glory, and I'll never be able to do it again. I'll never be able to slip in there and say, Brother Williams, it's because of you in part that people come to hear me preach and want the Word of God explained because you explained it so clearly to me and made it sensible to me. That opportunity is gone for me forever now. 
and I regret it so very much. How many times do we fail to live out our thanks? Whether it be over the food or for the privilege of prayer or for the spiritual truth that God has given us or the trials of life. Or to say thank you to someone who has filled our lives with meaning and purpose. You know, life goes by so very rapidly, so very quickly. It's why somebody in wisdom decided there ought to be a Thanksgiving day. Or at least one day a year, somebody would announce to the world it's time to stop. To pick up the phone. To write a card to gather the family around and say, I love you, and to gather in a house of worship like this and say to God, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We sang it earlier this morning, great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. And how true it is. He has given us all that we have needed. Do you practice thanks living? Look at the psalm again. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise is befitting to the upright. Verse 2, praise the Lord with the harp. Verse 3, sing unto him a new song. Verse 5, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The last verse, let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Some of you are all uptight. Life is treating you rather hardly. May I suggest to you one of the answers, if not the answer we need the most, is the one in my message today to start living thanks. Stop your complaining, your griping. Let the Holy Spirit pull the resentments out of your spirit today. Start looking for the good things in your marriage. Start looking for the good things in your mate and in your children. Stop berating and pushing down. Start lifting up. Start living thanks. You're not in a prison in some Eastern European country. You're not standing in a bread line somewhere. You're not lying up in a hospital room. Dying, you're here. God has been good to you. Begin to express your gratitude by, by your life on a day-by-day -day basis. And let it never end. I don't know how I could ever begin to thank God for his goodness to me. I feel like the psalmist who said, Thy faithfulness reaches under the clouds. It's just impossible to calculate. He has provided me with everything I've ever needed and more. He has been good to me, and I want to thank him today. And I want to praise him today. Dr. Walter Menninger, renowned psychiatrist, recently was asked how he relaxes 
how he keeps from cracking up in life, and he gave a most unusual answer. He said, I go to choir practice. He said, I start my day at 7.30 in the morning, and it goes until 6 o'clock in the evening, and then I go to choir practice. He said, I don't know whether it's the fellowship or the music or to express myself by being a part of something beautiful or that very special sense of being part of something holy. I don't know, but if you could bottle it, it would outsell Valium. That's what he said. And I thought, hallelujah. The choir ought to double overnight. People ought to be standing in line to teach classes and to start saying by their life, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. I'm going to start living my thankfulness. I'm going to sing my thankfulness. I'm going to pray my gratitude. I'm going to live as Jesus lived. Gratitude before the Father and before the world. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The whole earth sings His glory this morning. God is a good God. And life is wonderful. It's full. It's meaningful. I don't want to die today. I'm ready, but I'm not anxious. I'm having a good time living. One of my friends was on an airplane. He hates to fly, and he's holding on for dear life. His knuckles were white. The person sitting next said to him, Oh, not ready to die, huh? He said, I'm ready, but I'm not anxious. <laughs> and that's the way I feel today. Life is good. Why all the complaining? Why the bitter spirits? Oh, let Jesus Christ Walk into this place today and heal us. And may we go out to live our thanks as he did, even facing the bitter cup. Let us stand, please, all over the sanctuary, quietly and humbly. Hallelujah. 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 How many of you know Jesus as your Savior today? Raise your hand. You know you're forgiven of your sin. Would you sing with me, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul? And if you're not a Christian, open your heart to Jesus. Come down this aisle. My associates will be here at the front. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, people won't mind letting you out. They will be glad. Come and give your life to Jesus. If you haven't been living the kind of life I've suggested today as possible, come down and Say by coming, I give my life to Jesus. So you can sing with us, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Life is so short. Come as we sing and let us all thank him together. Thank you.